Take your Bible, if you would, please, this morning, very, very quickly, uh, because my wife said we needed time to eat between now and when I preach again at 2, so this will be a quickie. Nobody in this whole place believe that, do they? No, nobody, nobody. But I'll tell you one thing. We enjoyed playing golf yesterday. I wore out one set of golf clubs, totally. Sure did. I got more practice yesterday than I've had in years of playing golf. I completely plowed that golf course. It looks as though it's been rotor-tilled several times. And I was tired of my team members laughing at me, so I quit the last nine holes. And all of that was a lie. In your Bible, if you would please, the book of Matthew this morning, the book of Matthew, and uh, chapter number 21, I want to read just a couple of verses for you. And I would like uh, to uh, make a preface statement this morning before I start preaching. Yes, I am preaching to you. So if there's any doubt whether I'm singling you out or not, the answer is yes. You ask me... Preacher, did you have me on your mind while you were preaching? The answer is yes. Save your phone calls. Don't work so hard pulling your face into an ugly situation trying to influence me while I preach. Just sit back. Enjoy or endure, whichever might be convenient to you. But I am preaching to you. If you had not want to be preached to, you should have gone to the ball game. This is a church. It is a churchy church. It does not resemble a rock concert or a hillbilly stomp down. This is a church, and we do not apologize for being churchy. Okay? And besides that, we're now going to go home, bow your head, and close your eyes. I'm just kidding. Verse 12 in your Bible, please. I'd like to talk to you out of a phrase that I have found in these two verses. Verse 12 of chapter 21 of the book of Matthew, and Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it 
a den of thieves. Would you allow me this morning, without hurting your feelings or disturbing your attitudes, allow me to preach on this subject, my house. My house. This is just not any house. That's why they call it the church house. This is where God's people gather to worship. This is his house. And I'm afraid in the day in which we live, we are forgetting that this is his house. This is not my house. This is not your house. This is not the deacon's house. This is his house. Now, some of you guys loosen up because you already think I'm going to be mad at you, and I'm not. My house. And the little lady was trying with desperate to try to join a church in her neighborhood. It was a fashionable uptown church. You know, that brick, Austin stone, carpet, and all the finery. This lady did not dress as well as maybe the pastor thought she ought. And so she was trying to join the church. And the pastor kept putting her off and putting her off because she just did not bring any improvement or any kind of advantage to the congregation. Finally, she came to the preacher and said, Preacher, I would sure love to join your church. And the preacher said, Why don't you just go home and pray about it for a while? And so she said, I'll do that. And she left. And after several weeks or maybe months, the preacher was down at her place of employment where she was cleaning the floors and janitorial uh, responsibilities. And he walked up to her and spoke with her. And uh, he said, oh, by the way, uh, did you go home and pray about joining our church? I noticed you haven't been back to try to join. She said, yes, preacher, I did pray about joining your church. He said, well, what did God tell you? She said, God told me to not get discouraged, but keep on trying. Because he himself has been trying to get in that church for 20 years and hadn't been able to. My house. The story is mentioned in all four Gospels. For some unknown reason, the author's the human authors of the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them chose to put this story in their gospel. The Holy Spirit of God evidently led each of the authors and must have pricked their heart and moved the pen and their hearts and emotions so that they included each in each of the gospels, this story, it's recorded in each one. 
It's a story about a very unusual and very special person. Notice, if you would please, I bring your attention to verse 12. About a very special purpose, person. And Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all of them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the temples, uh, the, the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves. A very special person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything in the temple spoke of Jesus Christ. The gold spoke of a deity. The stone spoke of his humanity. May I say to you today that Jesus Christ was the head uh, of the cornerstone in the temple. You look at the picture we have on the wall, and in the New Testament now, in the New Testament, much reference is made to the temple, God's house. The Bible said that Jesus went into the temple and cast out those that sold doves and sacrifices and offerings. And so in the Old Testament, we have a temple, if you please. But in the New Testament, the temple is no longer there. In the New Testament, there's a reference to another building. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 15. 1 Timothy, chapter 3, and verse 15. And your Bible should say something like this. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Well, well, preacher, what is the house of God? Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground of truth. My house, my house. Well, preacher, God don't live here. He does when you're here. When the church is here, when the people are here, when those who have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, who now tabernacles within your very being, when the church is assembled when the church is assembled, this is God's dwelling place. We have minimized it. We have characterized it. We have ostracized it. And we treat it as though it's just another house. We carry our drinks into the sanctuary. I believe some of you, if you could get away with it, you'd spit your tobacco juice in the floor. We dress many times like we're going to Billy Bob's. What's Billy Bob's, preacher? I don't know. I just heard about it on Channel 11. This is not another house. 
this is his house. May I help you this morning, if I may, it is a very, very special place in Scripture. It has a very, very special place in the heart of God. It has a very special place in my heart. And for every blood-bought child of God, it ought to be a special place in your heart also. It's where God's people meet. It's where God's people gather to sing praises unto His name. It's a place where we read and preach the Word of God. It's a place where people fall on an altar and weep their way from the hog pen of this old world into the heavenly place of being born again by the Spirit of Almighty God. This is a very, very special place in the mind and heart of God. Oh, I would to God this morning it would become another special place in our heart like it used to be. You know, we used to have Sunday go to meeting clothes. Now, I know some of you are not old enough to even remember that. It used to be special when we got up and got to brogans that we did not wear to the field, but those were reserved to wear to the house of God. There was special clothes for the children as they made their way to their Sunday school and the church and the house of God. Why? Because it was a special place. It was a reverent place. It was a holy place. It was God's place. You say, preacher, you can't build a church like this. No, but I can tear a good one up. We need to put God's house Back in the right perspective once again. Amen. God bless you, Brother Wolfenbarger. I found uh, the other day, I was reading of the danger of neglecting God's house. We act as though there's no repercussion. Since we can disobey our parents, and they won't do anything about it, and the welfare won't let you, amen. You know, I should have turned my mom and daddy in. Really. I was brutally, totally abused all my life. My mama would say, go get a switch. And I don't mean a one-handed one. I mean a two-handed switch. Can you imagine how long my mama would have been barred from football? (laughs) My mama would never have been able to play football again. And my daddy, they would have crucified him the first time they saw that razor strap. And since we've come a long way, baby, down at the house, we've lost our reverence, our respect, and our total dependency upon God's house. God's house ought to be a clean house. It ought to be a neat house. It ought to bring honor and glory 
to the God of the house. The yard should be mowed. The windows should be washed. The bathroom should be clean. Because it's not just another house. Have you cleaned any bathrooms at God's house? You washed any windows at God's house? What are you doing to make God's house God's house? I read one time. Can I read this for you? It'll be hard to find that way. I'm just going to read it for you. Book of Haggai, chapter 1. Listen to this. Then the word of the Lord... Then came the word of the Lord to Haggai the prophet, saying, It is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house, or my house, lay waste. Haggai chapter 1, now verse number 4. Verse 5. Now, the Bible says, Therefore saith, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now, think about this. Give so much, bring in little. How many today are so broke you need a cosigner to pay cash? So much, bring in little. Everybody says the economy is getting better. I think maybe that's only at the White House. We can't afford security. But, you know, we can go play golf just about any time we want to up at the White House anymore. You've so much, bring in little. You eat. Have not enough. You drink. But you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there's none warm. He that earneth wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You neglect God's house. You get all caught up in your house. And we forget God's house. We start sowing much, bringing in a little. Preacher, I just can't seem to get ahead. Verse 7, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Well, preacher, I'm working 10 jobs and still can't make ends meet. (whistles) Have you read this lately? You're not going to get ahead treating God's house like any other house. This is not another house. This is not another place. This is God's place. This is God's house. And we neglect it, and God will not let us off the hook. It just seems like the more I make, the more it takes. We can always blame it on the wife. The spendthrift. Always buying health food for me. When beans, just plain beans would work. Honey, you notice who said amen? 
to the mountains, God said. Bring wood and build the house that I would take pleasure in. God's house ought to be as such as God can look down and say, Good job. Good job. Take pleasure. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste. And ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I call for a drought, God said, upon the land. Is there a spiritual drought in America? Is there an economy problem in America? Is there a racial problem in America? I mean, we've got problems on every hand, and you look at the ball games today, and those stadiums are filled to capacity. And the churches, empty and dead as a graveyard. We're living in a drought. And we caused it. You caused it. I caused it. Cause and neglect of God's house. Don't take much for folk to miss church. Have you noticed that? I mean, they will go to work with snot froze to their belly button. Eyes red. Ears purple. Look But they'll go into work. But you let somebody sneeze in their direction. And they'll miss church because they don't want to catch anything. Preacher, you ought to preach a sermon some other time. When? When you're not here. You preaching to me? Yeah. You going to call my name? Don't have to. You know I'm talking to you. The danger of neglect. There is a special place, listen to me now, in the heart and mind of Jesus. My house. There's a special place in my heart. That's my house. There's a place where my family meet and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Then eat some more. That's my house. There's a place where we run when our hearts are heavy and our burdens are unbearable and weight seems to weight us down. There's some place we can run, and that's my house. There ought to be a place where God's people can come 
when the weight of this old world is about to crush them in and it ought to be his house. There ought to be a place where you can come and be encouraged, bless your heart, and, uh, and ignited and motivated whenever you feel like your tires are flat and you're about out of gas. It ought to be his house. There ought to be a place you can come when you're starting to get out of Keltern, beginning to get out of the road and begin to fall into the ditches of this old world and begin to be influenced by other voices other than God. There ought to be a place where you can come, sit down at the table of God, and the man of God serve you and rebuke you and encourage you and discipline you. And that's his house. Oh, but this ought to be a special place. His house. Is anybody here now? Don't want to make anybody mad. Jesus made reference to a special place. Verse 13. My house. Could I ask you now in closing after a while? If this house has replaced that house, and Jesus said in Deuteronomy chapter 12, and there will be a place that I cause my name to dwell. Thither or right there. Attend, bring your offerings, Serve, give me glory, give me praise, where I choose my name to dwell. Listen now. And if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God. Not the temple, but the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Man, this ought to be a stable place. It ought to be a place where your kids can get a foundation that will give them a halfway chance in life. It ought to be a place where you and mama can sit, not fearing that somebody's going to try to put the make on mama, but that mama and you can be happy in the Lord, secure in the Lord, safe in the Lord, and happy in the Lord. A place, bless your heart. Jesus said, my house. I wish I had time, don't. But I read over in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10, a fresh and anew. And we always quote verse 25. But I started reading a little earlier this morning. And I started reading verse 21 of the book of Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 21. And in that chapter it begins to talk about the duties, the washings, the cleansings in the temple of God. And it talks about priests and Levites and high priests and how that the high priest could only once a year go into the Holy of Holies into the presence of God and many times and when he went in he'd have bales and pomegranates sewed around the bottom of his garment 
The bales were for witness. They tied a rope around him so that if he had sin in his life and walked into the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, he'd die instantly. That way they could drag him out. What was the bells for? As long as the bells were ringing, he was moving. That meant he weren't dead. But now, the temple's gone. Destroyed by Titus and the Romans. Now, an Islamic mosque sets where the temple used to set. And I begin in verse 21. And the Bible said, And having a high priest over the house of God. Wait a minute, the temple's gone. Over the house of God, a high priest. Over the house of God. What else is he talking about? High priest. Over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart, a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from sin and evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together. Don't tell me you love me. You don't love me enough to come to church with me and provoke me to good works and love. Next time we sing, Oh, I Love Jesus, just put ball games in there. Or government there. Or my employer there. Because when you're here, it provokes all the rest of us to good works and love. But when you don't care enough to come, you're not doing a thing except inviting the wrath of God on your life and just give you some bigger bags with bigger holes in it so that you don't ever get ahead. By the way, would you let your kid get away with what you think God's letting you get away with? What kind of parent would you be if you let your kid get away with what you're getting away with or we're getting away with? No. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also do what? How's the harvest at your house? What's coming up over at your house? I'll tell you what's coming up on that golf course next year. Titleist golf ball. Because I sold 12 of them boogers. I'm not sure they're on good ground because they're in the woods, most of them. Some of them ought to come up with frogs because some of them's in the lakes.
What are we sowing? Why do we mock God? Why do we think we're getting away with serving an impotent, illiterate, dumb God that cannot see our intentions, our attitudes? Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to say this is serious business. You say, how serious? Look at him hanging on the cross. Look at his blood-stained brow. Listen to his quivering voice. He says, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. I just think I ought to close because I haven't got to the place where it made anybody mad yet. Why is the church here? Two reasons we've done. Why is Joshua Baptist Church in existence? Sometimes you have time, you read the book of Acts, chapter number 7. Stephen is preaching. They've accused him of mocking and being irreverent to the temple. They've incarcerated him. He is now in check, and they're going to stone him to death. But before they stone him, Peter, I mean, Stephen takes the opportunity to preach to that crowd of Pharisees, Sadducees. And the reason they're sad, you see, because they do not believe in the resurrection. And in that sermon, verses 44 through 50, as he consummates his message, Stephen speaks of three houses of God. The tabernacle in Moses' day, the tabernacle in David's day, and Solomon's temple. And then he goes on to say, you can't build a house big enough to contain God. I'm so glad of that, aren't you? But God can build a house big enough to contain us. And when we all get together, that's when we worship, that's when we exhort, that's when we encourage, yes, and that's when we rebuke, because that's God's plan. The church, according to the book of Psalms 92, was started, now be careful, for our good. Listen to this. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Nothing's any uglier than a palm tree. Really got to have something special to make a palm tree flourish. And he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. I 
I see the word planted. I see the word flourish. I see the word the word flute, fruit. Think of that now, just a minute. The best thing we could do is plant ourselves in the house of God. Allow God to flourish us and produce fruit in our life for His glory. That's the purpose for us, our good. But it was started for His glory. Ephesians 3.21, Unto Him be glory in the church. World without Him. Can anybody say that? The reason, I'm not talking to you now, the reason I need to be in church because I want to flourish. I want to be fruitful. I want to be happy. I want God to bless. That's the purpose of the church. You neglect the church, you neglect fruit, flourishing, and the plant. Now, my wife is a big gardener. No, my wife is a wonderful gardener, not big gardener. And if she keeps working like she is, she's going to be a skinny gardener. She keeps working me like she's working me, I will be a dead gardener. We know something about planting. Forty-nine years ago, I got saved in my living room on a Thursday night. Went to church on Sunday. Was baptized. And I've been planting securely for now 50 years in the house of God. Everything I know about God, everything I've experienced with God, everything my family is, I owe to the house of God. It has been good for me to have been planted, flourished, and fruitful. You said, Preacher, where's your fruit? Have you got a mirror? Have you got a mirror? You are my fruit. This church that we'll be preaching at in just a little while is my fruit. Lanny Wood and Judy Wood, who's been on the mission field now, Betty, how long? She's not in here. 100 years. 45 years, the missionary in Brazil who's been in the mission field for 45 years rode my church buses in Fort Worth. That is my fruit. Your co-pastor and his wife are my fruit. Where is your fruit? Planted? Flourished?
church was started for you and for me, but that it might bring glory to him. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We need to rededicate, not ourselves, but this building. We need to start acting like this is his house. We drive by, it ought to bring tears to our eyes because of the sacrifice and the blood and the financial sacrifice that has taken place. I've watched senior citizens who could not walk drag themselves around a foundation picking up scrap pieces of wood just to be a part of this church. It ought to bring tears to our eyes that this place cost the Lord Jesus so much. And I'm so glad I can say to you today, this is not my house. It's not your house. It's not the White House. It's his house. And all of God's people said, it's his house. Treat it like it's his house.